that's kind of pervasive outside of just the African-American story too. And it's in that same downtown, there's a Masonic hall where Andrew Jackson met with American Indians in the first paragraphs of the Indian Removal Act were, were written there while he was president. Obviously that is not great history, not a great part of our history. And you know, not something we're, we're super proud of, but it is something that happened in Franklin and that we have told that element of the story too. That's Matthew Maxey, Associate Director of Public Relations at Visit Franklin, the tourism office for Franklin, Tennessee. Franklin is a small city just south of Nashville. It played a prominent role in America's Civil War. Welcome, I'm Tanya Fitzpatrick. And I'm Ian Fitzpatrick, and this is World Footprints. Named after Benjamin Franklin, the city of Franklin is just 15 minutes south of Nashville. It's an amazing destination for history buffs, and its historic downtown has been recognized for its preservation efforts. Franklin has a number of historic homes that were central to the Battle of Franklin, one of the bloodiest battles of the entire Civil War. The iconic Franklin Theater, built in 1937, still stands and operates there. If the streets could talk, it would tell stories that many would soon forget, because Franklin's chapter in American history is a dark one, thanks to its prominence in America's Civil War. But Matthew says that Franklin understands the importance of sharing the full narrative of its history, and that's why the city launched an initiative called the Fuller Story Project. So we are a Civil War site and that a, a Civil War battle, aptly named the Battle of Franklin, happened in our in our downtown core. And it's kind of the uniqueness of it. A, it was at the very end of the, it was one of the final battles of the Civil War and kind of uh, from a strategic standpoint, one of the South's last grasp at what they thought was a chance to kind of turn the tides and have a victory for them. But the uniqueness about the battle that happened in Franklin, as a, most battles happened in wide open fields in of that time, Franklin's battle happened in our downtown core. So it's a, if you came there today, you know, many of the buildings that are of the, the right age all played a role in the battle. and. Had there not been a, a bridge out over a river, it probably never would have happened. It's in our downtown as, as troops were trying to get back up to, to Nashville for a, a larger battle there. Mm -hmm. But it's uh, all throughout our downtown core, there are you know, signs of the, the battle and kind of where things happened and took place. And then now there are several hundred acres of that battlefield that have been reclaimed and are places where folks can visit and learn and have been preserved for you know, learning about history. Napoleon Bonaparte said that history is the version of past events that people have agreed upon. We're living in different times now, so we wondered about the evolution of Franklin's historical version. It's interesting in that how that has really evolved. So if we went back 20 years ago and someone came to Franklin looking to study Civil War history, they would see you know some signs around and some some notations in the downtown core but there weren't all the preserved battlefields and, and such so roughly 20 to 25 years ago there was a national publication that was doing a story on the worst preserved battlefields in america but they were coming to franklin kind of as the poster child for this story because most of our battlefields had strip malls and domino's pizzas and things just built up over them and weren't preserved 
that story kind of was, a, you know, putting it bluntly, was a little bit of a kick in the pants to local leadership saying, gosh, that's not what you want to be known for. So then they, them and local preservationists got together and started buying up this old battlefield land. And now fast forward 25 years, you know, it's 300 plus acres that have been brought back to where people can come and visit and explore. So it's, it has taken a unique journey on in that aspect. And it, Franklin for from a while back has been committed to telling kind of all of our history, a little dark period where it was built over by some strip malls, but wanting to tell it all. And the experience someone has now today is that when they come, they can visit three different Civil War home sites. And I tell folks they can they can experience the Civil War history in three hours or three days. There's enough content there for people to dive in as much as they want to. With their the various tours, they're going to hear the stories of all sides of those that were involved. The families at those particular homes, their experience. Yes, there's some tactical this move in the battle happened, that move in the battle, armies moved wherever, but it's a, a bigger dive into the people that were there that day, the families of the homes, the the slaves that were there, their stories, how they were involved, and kind of how the city as a whole, it took you know, 100 years for it to kind of fully come back. Mm. Now, the Nashville area is one of the fastest growing metros in America, and the area south of Nashville has attracted lots of industry. And I'm curious, how much pressure has the development put on Franklin and with respect to preserving these battlefields? How much of a challenge has that been? It's, again, I'll go back to kind of wise leadership from years past so we are experiencing tremendous growth and it's just last week our you know new articles came out and we were in the top 15 fastest growing counties in the country and from the kind of the corporate standpoint we're home to over 45 national and international corporate headquarters but in the the early days of our our town's growth that was all kind of set aside in one special area of town locally we call it cool springs neighborhood and it's a, that's where you're going to have all the the business growth and development and the shopping malls and things that all goes in that area of town and you know three miles down the road you have the historic downtown area the battlefields and they're, they're experiencing growth yes but not to that tremendous degree there's a pretty aggressive historic overlay so you've got to go to through quite a few hoops to to prove why something used to be in that historic area and it's a, a commitment to a preserving those battlefields still purchasing back more of those that have things on them still you know just last year there were several dozen more acres of battlefield purchased away from business towards the preservation efforts so it's they work hand in hand so there's quite a bit of growth but still uh, strategic growth around the historic tourism areas Many battlefields across the nation, including Franklin, are working to be more inclusive by incorporating black history in their narratives. But recent months have seen a rise in appropriation of these historical sites by white supremacist and Confederate sympathizers. And that has had a chilling effect on black and brown tourism to those areas. What is Franklin experiencing? we're certainly seeing that all over the country like you described and it's a you know 
that's sitting at a wooden desk, knock on wood, we're not seeing it near to that degree. You're always going to have a couple outliers of, of folks that, that show up places. But overall, Franklin as a community has really embraced telling what we call our fuller story. Mm -hmm. And that, that, that attitude is really pervasive throughout the entire community from the historic sites to the boutiques and dress shops on our main street. They're, they're all kind of equally committed to making sure that all of that history is told. And it's from community efforts that I'm, I'm sure we will, we'll talk about in a little bit later through just that overall commitment from government leadership, historic preservation leaders. It's all, everyone in town is, is committed to telling that full story. So when outside actors try to come in, they're, I mean, I don't say they're met with force, but they're met with kind of a community effort that doesn't allow it to really take hold. You touched on uh, some stories that you tell as part of your fuller story, and that's the mm -hmm. story of some of the enslaved um, people. What is there a story that really stands out to you? Gosh, just one one particular story of of them as a whole. It, probably the one that stands out most as a kind of as a group of folks. So after the Battle of Franklin happened, many of the slaves were freed. You know, at that time after the town was decimated, they went to the courthouse that sits in our downtown square still today. They, they went to the courthouse and signed up for the U.S. Colored Troop Infantry Division right there in our town square and then went on to, to fight in the Civil War, you know, for the northern side. And that is something that's memorialized in our, in our town square and kind of touching on that. That's always just a, an incredible story of, you know, they literally witnessed a battle in their in their backyards and then immediately walked into the downtown through the wreckage to sign up right then so i mean that's that's an incredible story and one that i'm i'm happy that we're now telling in a much much larger capacity in franklin you're listening to the award-winning world footprints podcast with ian and tanya fitzpatrick World Footprints connects you to the world through powerful storytelling that uncovers the full narrative of our cultural and human experiences. Discover the world through stories at worldfootprints.com and make sure to subscribe to the World Footprints newsletter for compelling and exclusive content. You just heard the voice of our audio editor, Ed Cole. Uh, Ed has been with us for a number of years, and uh, we are happy to welcome him to our the broadcast of our show. And like with any team, we have a team that helps us, and you're uh, listening to that team right, right. now well, produce this podcast, and so... It takes a village. And because of <laughs> Ed, we were successful in winning two podcast awards from the North American Travel Journalists Association, and we would not have been able to accomplish that without Ed's work. And we thank Ed for the work that he did on Escape from India during COVID-19, which landed World Footprints a Travel Web Series Award. A silver. A silver, mind mm -hmm. you, from the North American Travel Journalists Association. And we won a silver, too, for travel podcast with uh, Rick Steves for the love of Europe and his travel-driven social ethos. And we just wanted to say thank you, Ed, for helping us uh, accomplish so much over the past year, which has been a very trying and difficult year. 
Tanya and Ian, you know I love you guys so much. It is so great that we got back together and we started working together on World Footprints. And when we came up with this idea that we would all work together, even though we're 3,000 miles apart, it still works out so well how you guys send me the audio. And it just comes up. I just come up with ideas for music and how to edit things. And you and all three of us kick things back and forth to make these podcasts work and it works so well and we don't do it for the we don't do it for the awards and the accolades we do it because we love what we're doing we love world footprints we love getting these stories out for people to listen to and, and to enjoy and learn about the world about places of that they may have never traveled to or may want to travel to but now through the power of technology through the power of podcasting tying in Ian, you tell your stories i put it all together i cut it up i'm the mix master you guys call me the you know dj ed or mix master ed and that's how we do it together and god blessed us to win some awards yes he did wow and we've come a long way since our early early days haven't we Yes, since uh, 2011, we did French uh, French Quarter Festival. I, I remember I was actually listening to it the other day. One of our, our 2011 French Quarter Fest, I, I almost died laughing because I'm like, wow, we've known each other for over a decade. We've been we've we've been family that long. Oh yeah. my gosh! Yeah, <laughs> well, it's crazy. Now, now we have uh, we have have certainly um, uh, solidified our our family uh, through your voice. John. <laughs> your voice to our podcast so welcome Ed. and thank, thank you so much Hillary Mantel said the past changes a little every time we retell it here's more of our conversation with Matthew Maxey from Visit Franklin a small city outside of Nashville that is sharing an inclusive and fuller history beyond its Civil War legacy not everyone is comfortable with the truths that history reveals because it isn't pretty. But they are stories that must be told. Franklin's leadership agreed that their city's narrative should be expanded and they started a unique initiative called the Fuller Story Project. So how it came about as a whole is, you know, we've described Franklin as a, as a historic town and like many a town in the south that was in the civil war we do have a, a concrete statue in the middle of town a confederate statue and after charlottesville there was a, a prayer vigil just happening in our downtown and at that prayer vigil there were a, a several local pastors from black churches and white churches alike and just you know conversations started happening one of the guys standing next to him was the director of our civil war battlefield areas and local historian in the conversation too they were talking about how when a visitor comes to franklin you know they've got to sign up for one of these specialty walking tours or something to really hear the african-american story but they can just drive through in their car see this concrete statue and keep on going and they've made their perception of you know well we know what franklin's about we can see it with a big statue right there knowing that wasn't right the those community folks got together lobbied the the local government leaders to allow them to put more markers out in our our downtown so now in our square the confederate monument is still there but around it are multiple historic markers about the slave market that happened there a, a, a riot that happened in our town square the fact it was a you know a, a marketplace for humans at the beginning of our town's history there's a spot for the u.s color troop infantry division where they went to sign up and then Coming up in June, a statue for those U.S. Color Troop Infantry Division soldiers is being erected on the town square as well. So that will be right there in front of that courthouse where they 
signed up, like I mentioned, facing the Confederate statue. So now that that casual passer through that comes through just driving by, the, you know, they'll see multiple statues and know that there's a, a lot of history here that happened. And from a destination marketing standpoint, we hope they get out and explore and spend a few days and really dive in. But that person that just drives through too, they're going to know it's more than just another Southern town with a concrete statue in the middle. Matthew says that not everyone in the community has embraced the Fuller Story Project, but they are in the minority. Overall, there are obviously some actors that say, uh, don't change anything. Those are out there. Every city deals with them. Uniquely, you know, from our Confederate statue, it's just a generic of a soldier, not any specific general or anything like that. So that there's as odd as there's not as many heartstrings tied to that from those, you know, the traditionalists always kind of gravitate towards the Robert E. Lee statues or, or those types of things. So there's not as much passion around it from that standpoint within the community as a whole, just has really received it well and is eager to tell that full story. And, and that's kind of pervasive outside of just the African-American story too. I and mean, it's in that same downtown, there's a Masonic call where Andrew Jackson met with American Indians in the first first paragraphs of the Indian Removal Act were, were written there while he was president. You know, obviously that is not great history, not a great part of our history. And, you know, not something we're, we're super proud of, but it is something that happened in Franklin and that we have told that element of the story too. So it's kind of, mm. no matter the story, it's something that should be told, good, bad, or indifferent. So that attitude has kind of been present in Franklin for quite a while. So kind of, as we're now telling more of these stories, we should have been telling for a lot longer. That's it. We're positioned to, it's a little easier for our community than maybe some others where it's their first coming of reckoning to this. Not every destination has a fuller story project. How do you share yours? We talk about it. We don't, we're not just like, oh, by the way, there's history on that side of town kind of thing. I mean, it's, it's part of our, it's in our print pieces uh, on our websites. It's part of our pitches when we're talking to travel media and stuff that, you know, it's the Civil War was a big piece of our history. And there's all this other piece of that that's much more than just the, you know, the one night of the battle. There's a, you know, a hundred years either side of the battle that led up to it and were caused by it that are just as much a part of the story. So it, uh, it's, it's hard to say there's no one specific thing that we're doing to talk about this because it's just, it's an integral part of all of our marketing that we do. I mean, we talk about it just like we do the, the awesome music culture and the food culture around mm -hmm. town. It's a, it's an equal part of that story that we tell from a marketing standpoint. So speaking of stories, you have another story you're, you're part of, and that's a whiskey trail. When people think Tennessee and they think whiskey, you know, everyone knows about Jack Daniels. So they just kind of make the assumption that the rivers run with whiskey throughout Tennessee and it's just everywhere. But 11 years ago, there were only three distilleries in the entire state of Tennessee because it was only legal to make it in three of our 95 counties. So it's, at that time, there was a, a local lawyer in Franklin who wanted to open a whiskey distillery. He had grown up in the, in the shadows of Jack Daniels, had family members that worked there and was ready to make, make some whiskey of his own. Then he learned he couldn't do it in our County. So he 
he had an option and it's a, using his words. He said it was easier for him to change state law than to convince his wife to move to one of those three counties. So that's what he did. He, you know, it's at the time it was a, a three referendum system for every county to, you know, to, to drink it, to serve it or to sell it and to make it. So he got with legislators and made it in legal in the counties where they could all, already drink it and sell it. It was retroactively legal to make it too. So that a majority of the state open to production. And now fast forward 10 years later, there are over 60 distilleries in the state of Tennessee. And the trail that you mentioned opened it's just over two years ago. And there are 40 plus whiskey distilleries on the Tennessee whiskey trail hmm. where you can do the tours and tastings and get that full experience. And they span a, across the state. And the, with that, uh, that distiller, Heath Clark of H. Clark Distillery, who changed the state law and, and kind of him and a few others that got the ball rolling. He's in Franklin. So his uh, he's very much the craft distiller and that his distillery is, it, it's not big. I mean, it's an old grain barn and it's, uh, gosh, just venturing, I guess, 600 square feet. I mean, it's, it's not big at all. And then, you know, in the other distilleries in town leapers fork distillery it's it's a larger production kind of more the the tour and the show type facility but they still do in a year what jack daniels does in a day so it's it's still a craft distillery as well and within franklin we have put together our own trail within kind of just our area called our masters and makers trail that links up those distilleries with our breweries and winery so you can you know spend two days getting around franklin and the county that we're in experience and incredible whiskey with a, a wonderful story fun craft breweries and then you know the the area's largest winery too that's owned by kicks brooks of brooks and dunn and won wine awards from coast to coast and that's tennessee's not known as a as wine country much but harrington mm-hmm. vineyards and, and this vineyard are really uh, shining and starting to change that conversation quite a bit now with uh, this whiskey trail, I'm assuming there is a uh, safe way to tour this without having to uh, uh, put yourself at any legal risk. I am hoping. <laughs> yes, yes, for sure. There's that's kind of within our masters and makers trail. Just there within Franklin, there's transportation companies in town that will will take you around, and you know some some will just take you place to place for tours. Some it's a you know dinner and distilleries type tour so there's kind of some varying options and then on the the statewide level there are some larger tour companies that will take you on the kind of the extended tours you know from franklin if you you know have your hotel here you're an hour and a half from two-thirds of the whiskey trail Mm. so you can kind of be your base here and do different transportation options to the the different whiskey sites and have a grand old time now we've touched on history we've touched on the whiskey trail Beyond those, what else would you uh, recommend to visitors to see and do when they come to Franklin? That's the historic Main Street area that kind of, we kind of alluded to earlier is a, is a must-see. It's, it's our number one draw just from the, you know, being so close to Nashville. Music does permeate everything that we do, and a majority of those names that make Nashville famous actually live down in Franklin, and so do their producers and songwriters and stuff. So in our 16 square blocks of downtown it's really like stepping back into americana a little bit you know it's music on every corner there are over 30 places you can see or hear live music kind of throughout a week in in normal times that is 
greatly reduced at the moment, obviously. But it's it's it, shopping, food, kind of just that place you you stop and take a breath. You know, it's a people aren't walking down the streets on Main Street staring at their phone or you know eyes up talking to each other. It's just a a slower place where folks can just take a breath and relax and still enjoy world-class cuisine and entertainment and you know shopping right there now in terms of things that you like to do matthew and franklin for fun what are what are some of those things that uh make life there uh uh, pleasurable especially if it's off the off the map you know if it's not part of the guidebook we want some inside secrets here but first stops are usually those distilleries we talked about just <laughs> i enjoy them kind of off the beaten path that a lot of your listeners are probably familiar with the natchez trace parkway that runs from nashville to natchez mississippi if that runs right through franklin kind of the, mm-hmm. called the northern terminus of it and it's if you've seen pictures of the parkway you've likely seen pictures of a, a big vast double arch bridge that part is in franklin and just kind of the the afternoon drive with the windows down on two lane that is the spot. I mean, the parkway will take you to some incredible views in Franklin. And one of those right off is a little village called Leaper's Fork, which is, is technically part of Franklin, but it is a, a village on its all on its own. You, you walk in and the village itself is, I mean, it, it's probably a square mile, maybe two square miles, but within it, you've got incredible art galleries, music, unlike any other, you know, it's, you've got restaurants where you eat on a, barbecue on a paper plate and it's a, a restaurant music venue and gas station all in one and it's right next to art galleries where you see ten thousand dollar pieces on on the wall and together they they all all the businesses there have a community feel where the the front porch is always open for sitting and gathering everywhere unofficial rules they have to have places for people to gather so you've got you know stuff for s'mores out in the colder months lemonade or iced tea out in the summer months just encouraging people to gather out there and then that restaurant i mentioned with the the barbecue and a paper plate it's a place called puckets and it is uh, it's mo- it's famed for its music all the time but thursday nights are their open mic nights where half the crowd will be industry folks looking kind of for the next big star to be up on stage ah. and be- and because of the talent that lives there you really have no idea who's going to be up there. It's a, it's someone just learning to play the guitar, violin, getting up next, and then Grammy winners after them. And Has it's anyone a, come? Who, I mean, who would we know who's come from Puckett? Gosh, uh, it's several in the. If you, I guess the most recent ones that have kind of taken off. If you watch the sh- the TV show Nash, the the two sisters on there, Lennon and Maisie, were discovered there. Um, several other stars that have can't say that they were first discovered there, but there are several uh, stars who have passed through there kind of through their time. Uh, Chris Jansen comes to mind. Uh, Thomas Rhett comes to mind. Some of them have songs that they've written about the experience of being at Puckett's. You know, it's a, if you're familiar with Thomas Rhett and his song Star of the Show that he wrote about his wife, it's written about him playing the Puckett stage and walking her, watching her walk through the crowd and kind of, he's wow. supposed to be the star if they're playing, but everyone's looking at her like she's the star. I mean, wow. that's about his experience on stage at Puckett's there. Wow. Well, that's a must stop for us when we come come visit you. 
hopefully yeah. sometime this year. <laughs> so b before we, we leave, I'm going to ask our one of our standard rapid fire questions. Yeah. If uh, you were to travel on a long haul flight anywhere you desire uh, outside of Franklin, <laughs> who would you choose to sit next to past or present and why? That's that's interesting. And it's I, I lean towards present and it's a, a touch of background My outside of tourism marketing. I'm also a professional photographer and it's a come with a political science degree and background so honestly probably be pete souza right now who was mm -hmm. president obama's photographer that's mm -hmm. uh, from the wealth of years that he had in the white house under multiple administrations plus just his time as a news photographer a long-haul flight full of those stories would be fantastic to me i appreciate the work that franklin tennessee is doing to bring out its fuller story, to share its fuller story. And I never would have thought that it would take courage and people would face opposition for telling history, the correct version, a fuller version of history. Well, as we know, uh, history really is uh, about power in, in a lot of instances. And sometimes those who are the dominant power structures don't want those who are pushing to change uh, the narrative to have their way. So we get these conflicts and it's, it's not going to be easy. It's not going to be clean. But to Franklin, Tennessee's credit, they took on this task, a task that really hasn't been taken on by a lot of places around the country, but more need to. And it's good. It's good for the community and it's good for tourism because it opens up a, a whole new realm of possibilities and it allows some of these places that would be written off by people because of their past history to project themselves to the world as being a lot more inclusive than they ordinarily would be. No, I mean, it's our collective history. History does not belong to one group of people. And so, again, I applaud Franklin for what they're doing. And I look forward to visiting. And certainly <laughs> the Whiskey Trail um, sounds very appealing, as as does the, um, uh, the one place that Matthew mentioned, Plunkett, for music. In closing... We'd like to leave you with these words from Marcus Garvey. If people without the knowledge of their past history, origin, and culture is like a tree without roots. We're Tanya and Ian Fitzpatrick, and we are honored that you spent this time with us. You know, it really takes a village to keep World Footprints going. You, our loyal listener, and our team, including Ed Cole, who provides us with valuable editorial assistance every week. We are grateful. And we're grateful to you for allowing us to connect you to the world through the stories we share on World Footprints. This World Footprints podcast with Ian and Tonya Fitzpatrick is a production of World Footprints, LLC, Silver Spring, Maryland. The multi-award winning podcast is available on worldfootprints.com and on audio platforms worldwide, including iHeartRadio, Public Radio Exchange, iTunes and Stitcher. Connect with the world one story at a time with World Footprints. Visit worldfootprints.com to enjoy more podcasts and explore hundreds of articles from international travel writers. 
and be sure to subscribe to the newsletter. World Footprints is a trademark of World Footprints LLC, which retains all rights to the World Footprints portfolio, including worldfootprints.com and this podcast.